Thank you so much for tuning in to Matter of Theology, uh, the place where theology matters, because as Drew said for years, and I love it, everything is a matter of theology. I am your host, Chris. I am joined by my brother, Mr. Drew Vanita, but that's not that's not all who's here. That's not all who's here on this episode, because that's this right. is a joint right. venture. I'm also, we are also joined by Voice of Reason Radio, Mr. That's Chris right. Honnold, Mr. Richard Story. How are you guys? Wonderful. I, I thought this was Voice of Reason Radio. I thought we were introducing us first. So hey, this is your program first, huh? Okay. No, I, see, I, see, I see how this goes. I see how this goes. It's, it's alphabetical. Okay. So M comes before V. I just like, wait, who, who's, whose show's been on for five years? Nah, I'm sorry. That was yeah, us. Oh, Never mind. Oh, oh. He, he just, did he just pull the, the seniority he did, card? man. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, except, you know, Rich and I probably are seniority not only in length of number, years, but probably in age, too. So we, you know, we definitely. Well, got you on both. That's the case. I'm older than all of you. <laughs> yeah, that's combined. We got. We see. We've got you uh, uh, built out here. But yes, this you know, Voice of Reason Radio in the house. Richard Story, Chris Honholds uh, joining you with man. Some of the best brothers I've had the chance to get together with. Uh, Drew, Chris Huff, Drew Von Nita, and you guys. I got to meet you guys last year at Cruciform Conference, which oh. apparently has conspired to drag me back out there. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys face to face again next month. Yep, that's good. Uh, but, but so glad to actually be able to do this with you guys. Uh, if if I recall correctly, Chris, it was your idea to do this joint at Cruciform. Yeah. How many months ago? Uh, October. <laughs> October. October. So and yeah. here we are in April. Of 2021. We're in May, bro. We're in May. That's right. We're in May. I can't keep track. (laughs) We we agreed to do it in April, and then we didn't do it. Yeah, you guys. You you guys threw the uh, the ever so controversial uh, biblical women's uh, role episode that you didn't even have to listen to the episode to create a controversy. You just posted it, right? So Rich, Rich being on with these guys might damage us. Just saying. You know, I mean, it it it, it did garner some uh, some interesting reactions, Mm -hmm. like people that didn't even listen to the show. Uh, I mean, look, I'm I'm, I got nothing to nothing to lose at this point. But I mean, we had even people inside the Christian podcast community coming at us publicly on Twitter, being like, "Hey, do you support this, this, and this?" And it's like, "Whoa, aren't we on the same team?" Number one, number two, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. You gotta love so, Christian social media because you don't have to actually care about the topic. You just gotta have a person somebody's not fond of, and then it just goes. Right. So that's hey, it. Hey, that's, we, we, we seem to make enemies everywhere we go. But. That's you know we don't mean to, but it does happen. Yes, but that, that you, is, you know what I found out is whenever you speak the truth, that's what happens. Just a little. People bit. get mad at you. And then, because they don't like the truth, then what do they say? Oh well, it's your tone. I don't. You <laughs> just have police. the wrong tone. Where's the tone, police? You, what you're saying is accurate, but I just don't like the way in which you say it. <laughs> well, no, you just don't like, like what I said. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you're blaming it on my tone. Sorry. <laughs> Man, that's exactly that, how that, it works, too. It. That's exactly that is it. One hundred percent it. So, so yeah. So seven months later, seven months later, here we are. Hey, it could Matter- be worse. Hey, it could, could be. be nine months. It could hey, be ten months. Hey, you know? That's it. Man, never uh, happened at all. <laughs> right. Hey, there you go. Um, we just went to the extreme. Uh, but, but, we, <laughs> but we're here. And, um, you know, as we were talking, we've been talking. Well, I mean, we, we've been talking about doing this for, for a minute. I mean, we, we've been trying to decide on a topic. I mean, that, that, that's been, I think, one of the biggest holdups recently. And so we finally landed on one. 
Um, and, 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 and so the, the, the title of this show, at least for matter of theology, you guys can name it, whatever you want, um, <laughs> is, uh, is the, the, the perils and the pain of pragmatism in the church. And, you know, as we look around and survey what continues to happen in the culture, uh, what we're also, I mean, what we're definitely seeing is because of years and years and decades and decades of of those that quote unquote profess to be Christians or uh, even even profess to be quote unquote churches um, have have adopted this 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 ministry philosophy this ecclesiology that is steeped in and 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 grounded in and founded in pragmatism and seeker sensitivity. And, and so because of that, because because those who are leaders in those movements want the church to look like the world, which is absolutely antithetical to what Scripture teaches, you know, we're seeing the effects of uh, this pragmatism, the fruits of the pragmatism, we're starting to see. Um, I mean, and it's very, very clear what we're starting to see. Um, and, and I mean... So, so we just wanted to kind of have a conversation about that and uh, wanted, wanted to talk about, you know, specifically what pragmatism is, what it does inside the church, why it's antithetical to scripture, mm-hmm. um, and, and ultimately why it's, it's, at its at its root form is nothing but, but idol worship. It is, it is worshiping a golden calf of self while trying to call that golden calf Yahweh. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a question. What you got, bro? For Drew and Chris Huff. And uh, I'm just going to jump right off in the deep end. Would you say, if you summed it all up, would you say the core reason behind all of that is because most of these professing Christians are walking by sight instead of faith? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, pragmatism depends on results, right? So whatever's working, you do whatever's working. So they, they gauge what's working by what draws the most people, what keeps the most people coming back, what elicits the, the most response. Um, so that's something tangible that, that you can see. Um, so, so yeah, uh, ultimately it relies upon what they're seeing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was looking at. Uh, well, how, oh, go ahead. I, I'll ask this, Chris. I'm sorry, and then you jump in. But for the listeners, and there are many churches that are exploding and flourishing that are preaching and being biblical in what they're preaching and teaching, and you see growth. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, you have these mm-hmm. churches that are relying on <laughs> pragmatism mm-hmm. that are seeing growth. How does a Christian discern which one is biblical growth and which one is artificial growth? Yeah, the 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 church that preaches Christ that has growth is the biblical growth. <laughs> the <laughs> church that doesn't preach Christ and has growth is the one that's not biblical growth. And, and I'll I'll give you an example just from this past Sunday. <clears throat> My wife and I we visited a local church. I I listened to the sermon. At the end of the sermon, I'm kind of perplexed because I go. He didn't preach Christ. He didn't preach the gospel. And so I'm going, okay, well, maybe he did. And I just checked out at a point. I missed it. I need, maybe I'll listen to it again. So when I go to work, um, 
I, I listened to it again, and sure enough, didn't preach Christ, didn't preach the gospel. So I left a review on the Facebook page mm-hmm. that said, you this know, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it said, you know, I, I visited my wife and I, we visited this church um, and, you know, the people were very nice. The people were very friendly. They're very welcoming. Um, but I have some questions as well as concerns, mainly why didn't the pastor exalt Christ? preach Christ, elevate Christ, magnify Christ. Why? And why didn't he preach the gospel? Well, because I know some people that go there, of course, this, you know, they didn't really like that. Now the message, it sounded really nice, right? It didn't really, it didn't call sin, sin. It called it mistakes, right? You have all these mistakes and it leads to this big mistake. Mm. So, so you're not calling sin, sin. You're not calling people to repentance. You're just saying you just need to listen for all the wisdom that comes in all the different areas of life. And you go, no, that's not right. Okay. So, uh, some of the people that I know, they say, you know, well, why don't you, why don't you ask him? Why don't you message? And I said, okay, great. Uh, so I, I, I reached out to him and I messaged him and I said, I said, Hey, and, and actually got kind of personal. And I said, you know, look, my wife and I, we just left a church due to bad leadership and we are looking for a church home. And I said, so we visited your church and my concern was when I listened to your sermon, you did not preach Christ and you did not preach the gospel why you know and he didn't answer he gave me a response and it completely ignored his his response completely ignored the question and and just said um it appears that we're our church is not a good fit for you and your family we'll be praying that you find a a church home yeah you guys can't see han holtz's eyes right now but he's doubled in size (laughs) yeah but but this is a guy that he he, i asked him straight up why didn't you preach the gospel like that's your job yeah is to preach the gospel and completely ignored it well because he wants to tickle the itching ears of the people Come on, bro. that are coming Come in on, there man. that's it he, because when you preach the gospel it's offensive to people right yeah. it, it, it it's going to say you must deny yourself it's going to say you must live holy it's going to say, do you, you know, the, the, the sermon message was about listening. You need to listen to Christ when Christ says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Come on, me. bro. Come okay? on. That message yeah. is hard for people. It's not pleasant. So people aren't going to question, you know, pe- people that like that stuff, they're not going to question, you know, the nice guy that tells the funny joke at the right time because he's a good orator and he puts some Bible in there, right? He, he reads some Bible passages, but it, ultimately he does that to make his point, but not point to Christ, Amen. right? That's pragmatism. Amen. You're going around Christ and, and never touching Christ. Yeah. When look, Rich, to answer your question and then Hunholtz, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, brother. I, I would, here, here's how I would answer that question. When theology takes a backseat to methodology, pragmatism's taken over. When theology takes a backseat to methodology, pragmatism has taken over. That, that, that's it. And, and, and then, you know, the last thing I wanted to say was, you know, to, 
uh, Drew, you said something uh, in, in, in quoting Second uh, Timothy, but Second Timothy chapter four, verses three and four in the King James Version. I love the way the King James translates this. It says this, quote, after their own lusts shall they heap for themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn mm-hmm. away their ears from the truth. That's right. That's exactly it. That's right. That's right. And, and so in, even, even in my review, right, that I left, and, and so people are commenting, they're upset that I left the review, but they're not upset that the pastor didn't preach the gospel. And I'm going, your priorities are mixed up. You're more upset that I question this, but you're not upset at your own pastor for failing to preach the gospel. Come on, man. Amen. That that's exactly it. You know, as when we when I was sitting down just trying to throw some thoughts together because my mind likes to wander, so I like to make notes. Um, but Same. I was I was looking up the word pragmatism, and there's a not only is there a definition on the Merriam-Webster website, but there was a, some paragraphs about are you pragmatic? And one of the things that says a person who is pragmatic is concerned more with the matters of matters of fact than with what could or should be a pragmatic person's realm is results and consequences and that's what we're describing when we're talking about a church that is concerned about keeping bodies in the pew you are concerned about the numbers when they talk about growth they're talking about numbers they're not talking about spiritual growth they're not talking about you know being impacted by the word of god being confronted with your sin, called to repentance, growing in Christ, growing in holiness, growing in righteousness. They just want people to show up in the seats. Mm-hmm. And that's what the problem is, is that they are, they're concerned about not what God has commanded and what, what the Christian life should look like. Rather, what can I do to get people into this building and grow it mm-hmm. by numbers? And that's the biggest problem is that the pragmatic uh, approach to, to a church is results-driven. And that's, I mean, you talk to anybody who's ever done street evangelism and has done it by presenting the law and the gospel, and what's the inevitable question that every Christian asks them? Well, is it effective? How many how many people have you seen come to Christ? Right, right, right. That's not what we're called. To, we're not number counters. Right. We're, not, we're not there to count the number of sheep. That's not our job. Mm-hmm. Our job oh, as right. Christians is to make disciples, and the only way I can do Preach. that is God's word. You know, And yeah. so the pragmatic approach to church is, is uh, uh, its professions of faith is about numbers to be achieved, not the relationship you have with God. Its involvements in ministry are about getting people to feel included. It's not about sacrifice to God. You don't do ministry yep. so that you're serving the Lord. You're doing ministry because we want you to feel included and be part of this church. Um, you know, Sermons are about making people feel loved and feel encouraged. Uh, they're not about equipping God for uh, people for God's use. And uh, the leadership is about drawing people in and making them feel included and, and, and uh, part of a group. But it's not about exhortation and not about correction and, and growing in righteousness and holiness. So pragmatism jettisons all that because the reality, as you said, Drew, is that makes people uncomfortable. If you come to me and you say, Chris, you've sinned in this area, and I can give you a laundry mm-hmm. list of sins that I've done that you need to correct me on. I can guarantee you that. If you give me that, if I'm not in Christ, my, is, my, my reaction is going to be, how dare you? You can't judge me. You haven't walked in my shoes. You don't know my heart. And so pragmatic driven churches aren't concerned about the person's heart. They're concerned about, a per, you know, gives that body in the seat? Has that person made a profession? Did they sign the card? Are they on the membership rolls? Mm-hmm. Do you have, what can we plug them into? Have they been baptized? Because they believe that that is showing some sort of mark of faithfulness that God must be rewarding us because look at all these bodies that show up. And that's the problem. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, m- majority doesn't mean like, just because you have a majority result, just because you have a, a numbered result. Like the numbers are not an indicator of faithfulness. Um, just because, and 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 we we Drew, we've talked about this when we talked about um, uh, altar calls. Um, you know, when you look at and, and people often often you know talk about the second great awakening. Um, I, I I personally can't stand referring to what happened at that moment, the second great awakening, because it was the only way that that's valid is it's an awakening of how not to do ministry. I'm actually, let me just say, if you're going to refer to the second great awakening, refer to the one that happened in Wales and not yes, in America. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You know, cause when you look at the hey, actual, God. Oh, go ahead, Rich. Well, before we get too far, I wanted to kind of expand on something that Drew said. If yeah. you go to second Timothy in chapter three, which really the entire chapter yeah. addresses this, but in, but in verse five, it says, having the appearance of godliness, but yes. denying its power yes. avoid yes. such people. And there's another verse similar to that that is found in Matthew. And it is Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse eight. This people honors me with their lips, but their yep. heart is far from me. Yep. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Yep. Um, I just wanted to add this. More times than not, these type of churches and pastors that I've come in, come across with, they're more concerned with pleasing men than they are with pleasing God. Absolutely. They're more fearful of men than they are of fear of God. They're more concerned about how they are making the people feel instead of telling the people what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And they're more concerned with packing the pews than they are with filling the hearts with what God has actually said. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Brother, I, I, I've said often that, you know, that, that, that churches, uh, that there, there are so many churches out there where their quote unquote pastors are not really pastors. All they are are CEOs and businessmen because their, their, their concern is the money coming into their pocket. Uh, they want butts in the seats or butts in the pews, but they have forgotten or shirked their charge in the fact that they don't know or, or don't realize or don't care that the butts in those seats have souls and those souls will live eternally somewhere. When you subscribe to pragmatic ministry approach, what you're doing is you're saying, I don't care about the souls of those in my charge. All I care about is is the coin that's in my pocket. Yep. That, that, that That's it. Um, you know, so so which is exactly why Jesus gave that rebuke in Matthew, which is exactly why Paul reminds his young son in the faith in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 that, that that is the case. Um, you know, uh, so 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 brother uh, Rich, that, that, that's a fantastic point, man, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, I mean, in, 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 oh, go ahead, Rich. Well, uh, one last thing, sadly. In today's modern evangelical Christian, especially within the American church, more men go into ministry or go into a pastorate position. They go into it as a career instead of a calling. That's and right. that in itself on, is That's anti-biblical. Yeah. yeah. Amen. That's a great point. Great point. Um, you know, Chris, uh, I wanted to touch on when you were talking about uh, the Second Great Awakening. Yeah. <clears throat> the the idea of altar calls and stuff you know which you know if you know anything about the history of that started with Charles Finney 
in the the anxious bench but it yeah. it, it it exploded and, and morphed into this this idea of the altar call which was a way to number people so that they could say well we had this many professions of faith you know at this tent meeting or or, or this that and the other if you if you go back through history before then and you look at revivals that took place when people made a profession of faith it wasn't immediately counted as a profession of faith there was a, there was yep. a length of time for them to be tested and watched yep. to make sure that it was actually a true work of the spirit that brought them to christ yeah, I mean, if you when you read the Great Awakening, you, you'll read in, in just the first few chapters, uh, the fantastic men, uh, the, the Gil, Gilbert Tennant, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and the like. Um, they they very clearly say that that they would uh, watch these people, look for the fruits mm-hmm. of the root that should have taken place in their lives. And they would flat out reject those who did not show the fruit and the results of salvation through a sanctified and holy life. They would say, no, you cannot partake of the sacraments. We do not believe that you are truly in the faith, that you possess what you profess. Uh, And so they did the work of an event that they fulfilled their ministry. And that's... That's what that's what we need to do. I will never forget it, it. I can still see the images from a local church here in Metro Atlanta who used to always, after every Sunday, we had this many people profess Christ, this many people prayed the prayer, this many people did that today. And I'm like, it that that is not success in ministry. Right. Are there are they living holy lives? Have you encouraged them to put to death to go to war with their sin are they making disciples true disciples of christ like i found that quote that i that i posted on twitter earlier um and i wanted to say that is look this is dr john MacArthur. he said this quote god is our audience god judges by his own criteria not what people think period close quote <laughs> that is that God is the audience. God is the the measuring stick. His word is what we compare to, not what other churches and yeah. ministries are doing. Yeah, but uh, in, in touching back on, on how people respond, uh, Dr. Mar- Martin Lloyd-Jones, in talking about revival, uh, would say people don't have to be persuaded to come down to the altar. The preaching yeah. of Christ makes people get up and come Lord. to the altar on Amen. their own. Amen. People don't have to be persuaded to do that. Amen. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is that with the pragmatic church and the, and, and the idea that it's about getting those numbers. It's about you know being able to say, look what God is doing per se because we've got this much growth, these many people coming. Where's the focus? The focus mm-hmm. isn't on God. The focus right. is on mm. the people. And so that's where you run into a real major problem because what is the purpose of the church? The church is the bride of Christ. We are blood-bought born again, made new creations. We are a whole new man. We are something different than we once were. Our whole point in coming together as a church is to glorify Christ. It's to glorify him who was crucified on our behalf and to point people to him. If my entire ministry is about how many people I can get to raise a hand or say a prayer, then my focus is on the people. It's not on the one who's purchased them. And so that that totally skews 
what the entire purpose of ministry is. Ministry is about glorifying God. And so when I make a when I make disciples, when I preach the gospel, when I you know preach word for word from scripture and I exposit it and I draw context correct contextual connections and I call people to repentance in Christ, I am telling them that the authority in their life is God, not them. And that's mm -hmm. the problem is yes. that you know, pragmatic yes. churches have rejected the word of God. They say it's insufficient. That's not mm -hmm. enough. I, mm -hmm. you know, put, pointing people to Christ and, you know, him crucified is not enough. They, unlike Paul, they say, well, no, no, we don't want to just preach Christ and him crucified. We want to preach self-help. We want to preach, uh, we want to preach woke <laughs> theology. We want to preach uh, 12, 12 steps to your, your best marriage now, whatever it is, so that the people feel comfortable coming in the door. Preaching Christ and Him crucified doesn't make people feel comfortable. <laughs> no, but and, and Chris, something else you said there, and, and we kind of mentioned it before, uh, and this just goes back to basic uh, obeying the law of God as a believer. How dangerous is it to throw around the name of Yahweh and attach His name to say, look what God is doing when God according to the word, wants to have nothing to do and tells us and commands us very clearly to have nothing to do with godless ideologies, whether it be CRT, whether it be seeker sensitive, it doesn't matter. Have nothing to do with that. And then you're going to attach the name of Yahweh and Jesus Christ to that? Yeah, that's not just taking his name in vain. That's blaspheming. His Amen. Name. Amen. That's why we're said that we're not to seek Brother, to be many masters. We have a greater judgment. Come on, bro. Rich, Go what ahead, you got? Rich. I have one more. I have one more question, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate, <laughs> so to speak, for just. Uh oh, a moment. And, a Andrew we, would say he's siding with the devil right now. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> well, not necessarily the devil, but something else that is overlooked and thrown to the side because people don't want to address it. While pragmatism is wrong, we are to be held to <laughs> biblical accountability. So missionaries, churches, anyone that's being supported through other people's donations. Mm. I mean, you look towards the end of the book of Acts, and Paul goes back to the apostles in Jerusalem, and he relays to them what the Lord had done through his ministry. Mm -hmm. So we are to be held to some form of biblical accountability, Definitely. especially as missionaries or, or ministries or whatever the venue is to, you know, to tell people and let them know that we're not squandering, we're not wasting the resources mm. they're providing us. So in that aspect, what would be a biblical way for churches and individuals or missionaries, you know, whatever the individual's situation is, what would be a biblical model to give an account for what is going on and, and how they're using the resources the Lord gave them? I know we not we all know it's not about counting numbers, but what sure. is the biblical model when it comes to giving an account to others as to what the Lord is doing through an individual's ministry? Well, uh, I mean, first and foremost, I, I would say this, um, you know, very, very clearly, uh, Paul lays out in the pastoral epistles uh, what the qualifications for elders, pastors, uh, deacons should be. One of the things that's laid out in there is that 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 um, you know that, that one should not be consumed with sordid gain. 
Um, so Rich, to answer your question, first and foremost, I would say um, any parachurch ministry, any ministry that is, um, uh, you know, raising funds from, from, from a financial standpoint needs to have accountability, uh, needs to be tied to some sort of local church. Uh, with a plurality of faithful men and elders um, who have oversight and who can speak into that. I would say the same for missionaries. Um, I find it very, very concerning. Let me be very clear right here. Um, I find it, and I I, I will not uh, share stuff like this if I have questions or concerns when I see it on social media. But I am very, very concerned when you see people constantly asking for fundraising and money, but there's no optical oversight to that person or group. That's a problem. Um, and and we, we need to be not just above reproach in our personal lives with the Lord, but we also need to give the perception, and I hate that word personally, but we also need to give the perception that we have that 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 oversight, whether it be a board of directors, whether it be a plurality of elders, of men who can keep us accountable. Ultimately, ultimately, we will be, we will all stand before the Lord in judgment one day. We will be held accountable for what we did with the resources he has given. Uh, but but I think one, uh, one practical uh, thing that you can do is if your ministry is taking in finances or asking for finances, that you have some sort of oversight um, uh, of, of, of faithful men who can who can keep you accountable with that. So when those when or if those questions arise, uh, you can you can faithfully and biblically speak to that. One example is what you're seeing right now with what Julie Roy Roy's is trying to do with John MacArthur. Mm. Right? She continues to slander him. She continues to go after him. She and I put this on Twitter earlier. Han Holtz, you saw it. Um, she continues to, uh, to 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 biblically. It's like she is sinning by what she's doing mm-hmm. because she's going after him and yep. his fi- f- finances. Yep. So what? The the man has been a good steward with what the Lord has given him. Yep. Who cares if if he was given a gift of a five thousand dollar watch? That's none of your business. You're not a part of the church. We don't need Christians out there. Let me. I know I'm rabbit trailing for a minute. <laughs> go, we don't go. Need Christians out there with, that that, that are, are are trying to uncover things from a journalistic standpoint. What she's doing is slander. Now, what's great about Dr. MacArthur and the elders of Grace Community Church and those around Dr. MacArthur is there's accountability. So when this nonsense does come up. There are faithful, multiple faithful men and women even who can come back and say, no, this is not true. And this is why. Look at this. Look at this. Um, So not to rabbit trail and talk about that, but Rich, (laughs) to answer your question, I think a practical way to do that is to have that sort of oversight. Yeah. Um, And and. So th- th- there's one way, and then I'll, I'll you know I, I I think <laughs> it, just using Dr. MacArthur as an example, you have not only do you have elders that can give that can give an account for Dr. MacArthur, right? Because sometimes you can say, well, well, his elders are just his buddies, you know, and he appointed them. Well, <clears throat> not really, but nope. um, but okay, we'll say for argument's sake, say that is the case. But when you have the congregation that can also give an account exactly. to how faithful that your exactly. pastor is, that speaks volumes as there well. You go. So not only do the elders 
give an account as to how faithful Dr. MacArthur is, uh, but the congregation there as well. Though, I mean, and especially in his 50 plus years of ministry, yep. he's on what the fourth and fifth generation of people yep. in his church. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't stay there through four and five generations if the man's unfaithful. Exactly. Well, exactly. And, and look at what, okay, we'll stick with MacArthur, you know, uh, talking about pragmatic versus biblical. Mm-hmm. Look at the fruit of his ministry. Is mm-hmm. the, you know, there you, I, go. you know, we've been to Shepherd's Conference, we've been to that yep. campus. Mm-hmm. There yep. is nothing about that cap- campus that's ostentatious. There's nothing about that oh, that right. screams spending right. money out- no. outrageously. What you I'm, do, I'm pretty sure it's still the same carpet from the 70s because I know his ties are. <laughs> his ties are hideous. Thank goodness J Mac ain't ever going to listen to this. <laughs> never be allowed back on. Uh, uh, Andrew may have made sure I never get onto that campus with that poster he made, but that's a different story. Um, but. Um, but you look at not only that, not only are they not using that money in a wild, uh, fallacious fashion, they're not being salacious with it in any way, but look right. at what they are producing. The most Correct. faithful congregation you could, you mm-hmm. could imagine, the seminary yep. producing yep. some yep. of the most faithful preachers we have ever seen. Come on, man. James yep. Coates. Uh, James Coates, <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> looking, looking at the fruit you, of, uh, of the... All the uh, uh, lives that he has impacted through his teachings, his studies. Here's an individual that everybody got upset when his the preacher's Bible came out. And it was this two hundred dollar or what was it? yeah two hundred dollar yeah, Bible. Yeah, it was yeah. What nobody wanted to focus on is he gave every person attending there a two hundred dollar Bible. Five thousand men yes. for he, free. Great, just gave it. Grace to you gave them th- this Bible. Not to mention, um, look at all the resources they constantly give away. That was going to be my next. That was yep. my next thing. Yep. You know, all the things that he gives, the book book ministry they have, the the audios, the uh, the fact that you know you can you know you can get in on you know the, how many master seminary classes you can go online right now and watch and get a seminary level yep. education for nothing, sir. Yep, that is unheard of. Yep. You know, so you've got the faithfulness of his congregation. You've got the seminary producing some of the most fantastic preachers of our of our day. You've got a ministry that, at its own cost, equips Christians, laypersons, yes. leaders, yes. pastors yes. around the world. And then what you want to do, Miss Roy's, is comment on a house he bought how many years ago and has appreciated exactly. how much? And you want to comment right. on the fact that for after 50 years of ministry, the congregation came together and, and and gave him a watch that costs a lot of money? That's what you want to do? You know what that is? That is a that is a celebrity hound. That is what that is. Miss Royce on, is, is not caring about pragmatic churches. She's not going after mm-hmm. them. She's going after a faithful minister. You want to know why? I honestly believe, can you imagine the street cred you get for taking down yep. the the big one, John MacArthur. That's what she's after. Yeah. You look at the difference. Absolutely. You look at the difference of MacArthur's ministry and everything that has happened through through that ministry that is biblical, faithful, and God honoring. And then you mm. talk about these ministries that are out there trying to put butts in seats and trying to you know grow that and say, how dare you expect our people to honor the word of God, to be held to a standard, to grow in faithfulness. You want to talk about which one you need to investigate? Get busy working on the ones that aren't honoring the Word of God. Well, not not to mention, brother. I mean, we're talking about pragmatism, right? Pragmatism. Another name for pragmatism is utilitarianism. All right. So, and this is exactly what she's doing. 
She's using the platform in the name of John MacArthur and Grace Community Church for clicks, for likes, for money. Exactly. To gain popularity, yeah. she's trying to piggyback off of his platform, the platform the Lord has given him, and trying to slander his name. Why? Pragmatism. Yeah. Exactly. So bring it back to what we're supposed to be it, on. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think I think Drew really hit on it earlier when he talked about during the Great Awakening and those churches would look at an individual's fruit over a period of a couple yep. of years. There's a missionary I know that that about once a year he'll he'll go to different areas of the world and spend about six months out. And I once asked him, okay, of these places that you visit and then you go back again the next year, how many people do you see exhibiting fruits of salvation? How many people are still attending that church? How many people are you know, in their Bible reading and praying. And I've gotten various answers from the same individual over time. But I think one thing that has led to this pragmatic view within within <laughs> churches, and I'll pick on my own, the SBC, you know, the pastors are required or, or asked to, you know, send in monthly or quarterly reports about how many baptisms they had, how many professions of faith they've had. You know, yeah. we're in a modern society where we want to see instant results. We want everything right now. But yeah. I think, to me, the more biblical model would be, okay, if this person repents or professes to repent and put their faith in Christ today, we'll go back and examine him and examine his fruits and examine what he's been, the Lord's been doing through him two years from now. I think, to me, that's more of a biblical model is to, okay, you profess Christ today, we're, we're going to dis disciple you, we're going to hold you accountable, but we're going to really encourage you to examine your walk a couple of years from now to make sure you're actually in the faith. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, there's... Oh, go ahead, Drew. Well, well, I just was... A couple things about pragmatism in the church, what we see. One it, it is you have to really get away from Scripture, um, you don't hold the scripture. So if you look at those who, who hold to pragmatism, they're not in their Bibles and they they're biblical illiterate, biblically illiterate. Not only are they biblically illiterate, they're gospel illiterate as well. They don't know what the gospel means. If you were to ask them, what is the gospel? You, you, you might get 10 different answers before they finally said something pertaining to uh, the life of Jesus. So you're close. That's not the whole thing, but that's part of it. Yeah. So it, it, it could take a while. But you ask someone who holds to the sufficiency of Scripture what the gospel is, and they can tell you. They, 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 could, they could give you a long, drawn-out thesis, or they could summarize it and say the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Um, so, so there we so in pragmatism we have the denial of scripture versus the sufficiency of scripture. But then once you get in the inner workings of say salvation, professions of faith, what you have, those who hold the scripture hold to discipleship. Yep. Those who hold the pragmatism don't hold the discipleship. Instead, what they say is come to a home group, come to a small group, come to a little thing that's led by somebody where we just we gather and we have dinner and. Yeah, and we just, we just kind of chit chat and hang out and talk, and the women will sell, you know, talk talk to the other women about selling their Rodan and Field and Amway type stuff, and then essential oils, essential oils, hey, and hey, then hey. you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know, 
the sermon and stuff and, and, and how great it was and how you're the hero of your own story and, and things like that. So <clears throat> once we go, start getting into this inner working of what the pro- post profession of faith, right. Of, of someone you, the one who holds to the sufficiency of scripture is going to say, okay, now this person needs discipleship because they need to under, I need to walk with them. I need to actually meet with them and walk with them so that they, un- they fully understand what they just did. Uh-huh. The yeah. pragmatist says, hey, great. Now go join that group yeah. and go have fun. Yeah, see, and, and, and there's the problem. That, that, that's the problem. And Drew, you just hit on something and you said something that just uh, made me want to bust at the seams here. Um, we, the, the majority of, of professing evangelical Christians today – they don't know what what the gospel is. They cannot, and that's a problem. You can't articulate the gospel. I would dare to say that you do not possess what you say you profess. Right, you right. don't, because because look, and that's that's the that's what I don't understand about pragmatism and the pragmatic, seeker sensitive approach to church. You know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that there are men who are. Are, are, are genuine believers. The Lord has saved them. They know the gospel, but they've adopted this, this, this pragmatic approach to ministry. And, and therefore, because they don't want to offend, because they just want to sing kumbaya, let's hold each other's hands and, and subscribe to this moralism, what they've done is damned those in their, in their care to hell. Yep. They have they have set them up. I mean, on, not softball love. I mean, put the ball on a tee and said, here you go. Here's the cricket bat to hit a beach ball on your way to living eternally uh, uh, apart from God. I, and that immediately makes me. But but people but people go to those churches. They join those quote unquote small groups. And then what? That they do these book studies that are are a centimeter deep and and fifteen miles wide, right? That they end up reading a bunch of Beth Moore, but but they can't articulate the gospel. That they end up you know reading Andy Stanley's latest book, but again they cannot articulate the gospel. And they think, right. well, I go to church, I give, um, I support this clothing ministry, I give to this food pantry. And look, all that stuff is fantastic. But guess what's more important? Your soul yes. or the souls of those in your care. So here's what, by, by subscribing to pragmatism in ministry, this is what you're setting your people up for. This is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus Christ speaking. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles? Pragmatism. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
subscribing to pragmatic ministry where methodology is in the driver's seat and theology ain't even in the back seat. It's on the roof. Or dragging behind the car, bro. It's not even near the car. Bro. What, you, <laughs> left you left that curb. in the garage, bro. <laughs> yeah, you are. I, 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 I don't. For the life of me, I cannot fathom why on earth you would want that to be the case. And do you, pastors and preachers and and leaders and churches, if you aren't giving people the gospel? If you aren't giving people the whole counsel of God and seeking to disciple those in your care and to train them up in the way they should go, you will be held accountable for their soul. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and Amen. that's that's really the... So Paul, the oh, go ahead, Rich. No, Chris, you go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, that's that's really kind of the, the biggest issue when we're talking about pragmatism. It is a corruption of God's word. It is a corruption of what he has commanded us. The Word of God is His revelation to us about Him and how we come to Him and how we come into right standing with Him and what He would, what we are to do when when we when we get to that point. When you are doing pragmatism in your church, what you're doing is you're trying to reach not God's standard of things, but you want to reach the felt needs of your people because somehow that's going to make their lives better, make it more comfortable, make them more willing to be in the church and hear some sort of preaching sermon. But what you're saying is that. The sermons aren't what's in God's word isn't important. I, I can I typically if you have a verse by verse teaching that's rare if you find it at all it's going to be like a flyby Cliff's notes. But if you most of the time it's going to be some sort of to, uh, topical sermon, and it's going to be a predetermined outcome. It's not going to be something you drew out of the the scriptures themselves. I mean, if you're studying the word systematically and you say this is what I believe about salvation and we're talking about the soteriology and you've drawn all that out, that's one way you can do a topical sermon and be biblical. But if you're right. saying what I need to address is uh marriage or 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 family or work and I have this predetermined outcome about how I want you to feel about marriage, I can you do a, a hunt and peck, seek and find all throughout scripture and I can utterly disregard context uh, I can utterly disregard any uh, actual command of God versus you know the the um the you know you get the you know the uh, the principles that are based upon why we do those things and we reject all that we throw that all out the window and when we say when we compile it together in this mishmash kind of like cutting you know the guy doing the the terrorist ransom note and he's cut, cutting pasting all these little letters to make it look right. different that's what those sermons look like and what happens you have a bunch of people who have no regard for the word of god because they've been taught not to have a regard for the word of god they have no regard for theology because they've never been taught to have regard for yeah. theology they've never been told that in order to even do these things in a manner that's pleasing to god you have to come to christ first and be washed in the blood of the lamb you're just mm. told hey you've made a profession now you just do these little things and your, your life will be great so you have no theological basis for any of the reasons why you do what you do and so that's why when you know to, to your point chris when a pastor does this and then we actually get into a conversation with someone who's a professing christian and we start talking about the word of god and we say this is what god commands of us what's the inevitable response you're a legalist yeah, and it's like you're a fundamentalist. <laughs> well, that's what you said. And it's like no, this is what God's <laughs> word says. It says women can't preach. Hey, Beth Moore, did you hear that? Women can't preach. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for that. Uh, but well, I tell you what, <laughs> l l let me get you in more trouble. You okay, ready? here we go. Enneagram. Say it again. Right. 
Enneagram. Oh, <laughs> let me let, let, let look, look, <laughs> I, I, I had a conversation and I'm not going to say who because because they're right in the middle of this nonsense right now. But I have a conversation with with some faithful believers. OK, um, I'm, I'm just going to put it that way. Who who they they they, they met with the church leadership because they planted their flag and said the Enneagram is not biblical. And therefore, uh, because of its roots, because of what it's founded in, and because of what it aims to do, what it aims to do, um, you should avoid it. Mark and avoid it, right? Have nothing to do with these godless ideas. Colossians 2.8. Have nothing to do with them. So here a church called them in and said, well, if we decide that we're going to go forward with continuing to use this and you plant your flag there, our season of ministry is over. Even though these are faithful believers that are fulfilling their role in the local church and are desiring to stand for biblical truth, that's what they're being told. Man. Okay? The, the Enneagram has its roots in witchcraft, people. Witchcraft. All right. If you there, there are there are multiple articles out there of Christians that are here's why here's how we use the enneagram and listen to listen to some of these words. Let me pull this up real quick because some of these words that they use are are eye opening. They're eye opening because what they do is they they try to support this using general revelation and common grace. Okay, they, they say things like this, quote unquote, listen to this without under quote, without understanding common grace. Some Christians may feel no need to study the world and other human cultures. Unfortunately, they miss out on expanding their appreciation of the created world and the God who made it, period, close quote. Ugh. I mean that's that's the argument that they're making with things like critical race theory. Oh, I was we, just about to say that. Yeah, right? it's, it's and, the same argument. Yep. Look at Eric Mason. Look at what Eric Mason has done and is doing with with CRT. Right. It, it's this is the same concept. It's studying the world. If we don't study the world, then we can't really truly know God. When that is one hundred and ten percent the opposite. Of what the scriptures teach. Well, and, and that's exactly the point. You're talking about, we have in the 66 books of scripture, all that we need to know for life and godliness. Our that's entire it. walk is contained in that in those scriptures. Why would I want anything else? I've got God's word. General revelation can't tell me other than, other than that God exists and that he's going to hold me accountable. That there's order and, 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 and beauty in the world and that there's a right and a wrong and that there's consequences for sin. General revelation doesn't tell me anything other than that. Nope. Why nope. on earth would I go to man's interpretation of the, of the world when I have everything I need for life and godliness contained in, this, in Scripture? Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me insane when I hear something like this. Because for, for someone to say, well, if we go forward with this and you plant your flag here, bye... You have, you have absolutely, I mean, it's not even a, a, a hint or a, a, a nod toward, but it's a full admission that you believe that something that is outside of Scripture is so valuable that you're willing to part company with other faithful Christians. That yep. is disgraceful. Well, I mean, not just outside of Scripture, but something Scripture 
forbids, forbids. right? Divination. Oh yeah, but I'm just because I mean, that's what that's, a, that's what the I enneagram is. No, and I absolutely agree with that. I'm just, I'm just saying, even if we could just take that away, even if enneagram was say philosophical or psychological, I, I agree with you. It's absolute witchcraft and it's absolute you know denial and and, and absolute uh, contradiction to the word of God. But even if you just take that away and you say, well, no, no, it's it, we don't do that part of it. It's it's all psychological. Why is God's word, which tells me how I am to love other people, how I am to treat other people, how I'm called them to to, uh, to repentance and faith, all of that's contained in Scripture. I don't need this weird star-shaped thing that says I'm a five or a seven or an eight or whatever it is, and this is how I relate to people. I need God's word to transform who I am, make me like Christ, so that I respond in a God-like, Christ-like manner. You know what's really crazy is because God's word tells us, right, our nature and, and who we are and that we're sinners. We know and other people around us know how we are and how we respond to people. If, if we're not changed by the preaching of God's word in how we respond to people and in how we relate to people, those numbers mean nothing because one human nature I'm not going to stay the same personality type yep. my entire life. I'm yep. going nope. to grow. I'm going to nope. mature in yep. different places. I'm going to change. Um, but then the preaching of the word changes me. It should change. If it's not changing me, I have a deeper heart issue. There's a problem. That yep. that there's, there, that, there's a problem. And that requires more deeper, intense discipleship. Well, you know, I want to go back to some very, oh, go ahead, Rich. Go ahead, brother. Well, real quick, one thing that is overlooked in all of most all of these discussions is, and honestly, I fear for these pragmatic type, worldly driven pastors, because the Bible issues warnings in James yeah. chapter yeah. Three, three. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's right. And Paul stated to the Jews, "I'm free." from your blood. I'm going to the Gentiles. He mm. proclaimed the law and the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. They rejected it, and he left and went to the Gentiles. Throughout the Bible, as pastors, teachers, any type of leadership within the church, we need to be extremely careful how we represent the Word of God, because God will hold us accountable, not only for our own sins, but in this case, if we're leading other people into sin, mm -hmm. Jesus yep. made it clear, warn, you know, a warning to those who are the ones that tempt other people into sin. Yeah, that's so, right. That's been, right. <laughs> it'd be better for you and, to have a millstone tied around yeah. your knee. Yeah. yeah, hey, we're going to do this right. pagan thing. Here, you do this pagan thing, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no. say it's okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I mean, t t t all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. All Scripture, God-breathed profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 19, the law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. 
Verse 8, the precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, even much more fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your slave is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I will be blameless. And shall I be acquitted of great transgression? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Isaiah 66, who will uh, th those to whom the Lord finds favor are those who are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble at his word. Amen. Amen. You don't need one thing. This stuff. Go ahead, Rich. Sorry, bud. Well, uh, I'll say this and I'll step out for a bit, but in my experience, having come across many pastors that lean towards this pragmatic way of thinking, I've noticed one thing throughout all of them. They want to take the credit when something great happens, but they want to blame God when something bad happens. Instead of, we are to take the blame for something that we do, but we're to always give glory and praise to the Lord in anything good, because there's nothing good in any of us. Anything good we may say or do is all because of Christ, is to his glory amen. and amen. not to our praise by man. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see the fruit of what this, the, you know, the, the, the dearth of pragmatic preaching is, the, and how far and wide it's gone, look at what is happening in the church right now as we see major fights brewing over things like COVID closures, things mm. like critical race theory being taught in churches, politics. Look, look what's going on. You've got Christians who think you're the worst person in the world if you want to keep your church open in the age of COVID. Yeah. They yeah. think that you you must be a white supremacist racist if you think that critical race theory is unbiblical. You have people who are right now said, how dare you vote for Donald Trump when the guy who promised uh, you know, growth in abortions, sexual immorality, uh, tra transgender, as he said, transgender rights are the civil rights er uh, issue of our day. How dare you want to vote for somebody who's against that because he tweets mean, but vote, let's vote for the guy that promised everything under the sun that, that is, is sinful to be the platform on which he would run. Uh, how dare you say pe uh, tell people that they can't get have a homosexual marriage? How dare you tell people that they have to be the gender that go that God gave them in the womb? That that's I'm not speaking about people who are clear and clear cut non believers and and hate Christianity. I'm talking about people who are Christians, people who say they are followers of Christ, who have endorsed all of this. If you want to see any evidence of how deadly the fruit is of pragmatism, look at the massive number of professing Christians who have endorsed all of this and hate people who say the word of God is our authority. We have got people who have judged everything by their feelings and nothing by the word of God, and yet they're claiming to be Christians. Sola feelings. <laughs> yeah, the six sola, sola feelings. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I love that. That's that's perfect. I think they came up with the perfect one for that. But that is that's we ha we 
the lack of sound biblical truth, the lack of sound doctrine, the lack of discipleship in what are called churches today are why we are seeing a massive number of people who claim to be Christians rejecting the very basics of God's word. They don't yeah. want to know context. They don't want to know, uh, you know the truth. If you confront them with it, they will call you a legalist. They will call you fundamentalist. They will call you judgmental. They, and yeah. the, the, the phrase I hear at every turn now is you're a fake Christian. You are a fake Christian mm. if you want to church to meet. You are a fake Christian if you voted for Donald Trump. You are a fake Christian if you're against gay marriage. You are a fake Christian if you are someone who does not believe that critical race theory, social justice is a biblical is issue. That is the phrase we are hearing, and that is coming from people who are professing Christians. And you've got a lot of other professing Christians, high-profile evangelicals, who mm. dance around this by saying, well, you know, we don't want to spend our, cre uh, our, our political capital by keeping our churches open. <laughs> Nine, <coughs> Nine marks. <clears throat> Mark never. Um, <laughs> um, but they dance around this topic. They try to sound ostensibly sound in their doctrine. And what was amazing is for the longest time we thought they were. But as my pastor said in a class that we just were putting classes on every two weeks with regard to social justice and stuff, and he said, Back, you know, years ago, he read a book by uh, Tim Keller and he says, seemed like a great book. Now he reads that same book and he sees everywhere where Keller was lining that book with social justice style uh, ideology. And we didn't see it because we weren't looking for it. And we'll we weren't look, equipping. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I was just, oh, okay. So we weren't looking for it in the way that we should have been. And we trusted them on the basis of their profession of faith and what seemed to be sound doctrine but we weren't watching what was happening with the pragmatism and we got we got left hooked out you know got left hooked and we wouldn't see it coming and now we've got this massive number of people and you've got people who are so concerned about the public image of, of the Christian church that they will dance around these topics and they won't stand yeah. and this is why yeah, that's the thing. You don't have to worry about the public image of Christ Church. Christ will take care of his church. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on. It's it's not your job to be the PR man for Christ, okay? Just preach his word. Amen, that's, brother. That that that's a tweet. So Christ that, that that's a tweet well, right Christ, there. <laughs> well, Christ promised his followers they'd be persecuted, they'd be put to death, they'd be reviled, they'd be put out of the synagogues. My question is, as a Christian, if you've never experienced where someone has not necessarily persecuted you or tried to put you to death, but even just, you know, from moderate online or whatever else, if the world is applauding what you're saying and doing, <laughs> you can be pretty well rest assured you're not following the biblical Christ. You're following a Christ that you created in your own mind that likes everything, loves everybody, and accepts everything. But at some point in time, if you're a true follower of Christ, you're going to experience what Christ promised. Amen. And something I say on our show that I'd like to put out now is that if you're not proclaiming the biblical gospel now while it's legal, what makes you think you will ever proclaim it when it becomes illegal? Amen. Amen. That's a tweet, too. <laughs> so, so, Rich, going back to something you said, um, you know, I mean, look, Jesus Christ 
was the most offensive person that's ever walked this earth. Yeah, he would fail seminary. <laughs> do, 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 we, do we understand that? Tone, like, please. Do, 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 right. Do we get that? Jesus Christ was the most offensive person to ever walk on the face of the earth he created. Amen. So, so when... When it comes, not that we desire to, not that we desire to be hated. That that's not it. That's not it. The, the Bible is very, very clear right. um, on how we are supposed to live, on how we are supposed to look at those on the outside, and what what their condition is. Because if not for the grace, so were uh, grace of God, so were I. Right? Mm -hmm. Correct. So, however, when it comes to church and ministry, and we're seeing this right now, Hanholtz, to your point. Uh, one of the results of the uh, of the quote unquote pandemic, I call it the plandemic, um, <laughs> and one of the results of what we're seeing with those who refuse to plant their flag and to not capitulate when it comes to ideologies like critical race theory is we're seeing the Lord uncover um, who the true faithful ministers are. Um, so, so we, I, I want to say that, and then um, and then I, I immediately think of John fifteen, right. It, John 15, starting in verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. To Rich's point, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Amen. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also they will keep yours also. So we have to understand something when it comes to ministry, when it comes to churches and how churches operate, when it comes to the world standing and saying, no, you can't say homosexuality is a sin. You can't say, that, no, 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 we have to fight for trans and queer rights. Well, that's that moment where you stand and say, listen, I love you enough to tell you that that standpoint is wrong and is sinful, and you have sinned against a holy God. But there is good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life, death, and burial resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins is what we stand on. That is going to offend people. Why? Mm -hmm. People love their sin. Yeah. Amen. You know, what the, you know what the pragmatist does in that in that moment, talking to the homosexual? They let go and let God. They say, they say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit will work on them. And, and they, they completely... Without ever praying. Yeah, yeah. I'll just pray for them. Yeah, yeah. They just completely ignore their responsibility. And the person that God brought to their face to give them his gospel. That man, yeah. that man, that man came for lives right there. <laughs> <laughs> no mercy, That's no mercy. Truth, but you know, we, we, so look, we, we and we do this on matter of theology a lot. We rail against pastors and preachers all, all the time. Yep. Um, but but let me l let me just say this. Um, you know, this isn't just against the pastors and preachers. You know, th those pastoral epistles are given as an example of what those mm -hmm. pastors and preachers and elders are to aim for, because they are to be the biblical examples that we all follow. Right. Therefore, that being said, what, take that to its logical conclusion, which means those are the qualifications for a believer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? So 
when, when Paul warned his, his young son in the faith, his young son in the faith who, who, who was, was not, he did not apostatize, uh, he did not capitulate, but he was, he was waning, he was concerned, he was uh, stressed out, if you will. Um, look at what Paul said. I saw, so I, I read uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 earlier, right into chapter 4. So I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So God the Father who created the world and the Son to whom God has given an inheritance to, we are that inheritance. The church is that inheritance. But then also he says, uh, God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and teaching. Why? For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves. And I read the King James earlier. This is the legacy standard version now. But they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul warns his young son in the faith, preach the word, stand firm. Why? Because there are those of us out there who want to have our ears tickled. We are dumb, stupid sheep that will follow the wolves if they just come in and say, here you go, here you go, this will make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even as a believer, it's easy for me to say, man, I want the pastor to tell me every sin that I'm doing is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want him to tell me that because then it allows me to take comfort in my sin. Yep. It doesn't it, it doesn't mean I have to actually repent. Mm. Right? But but no. I need the gospel. Yeah. Like the gospel is not just for unbelievers, it's for believers too, Amen. even yep. more so because yep. I need to repent of my sin that I commit daily. Well, in our flesh, we naturally desire happiness over holiness mm, yeah it's in our flesh yeah, we can't good. help it yep that's yep. why we have to continually go back to the gospel go back to the word of god and not only ask the lord to forgive us of our sins but ask the lord to open our hearts to understand open our hearts to be able to receive his message open our hearts to be willing to examine ourselves to see if we're truly walking in the faith to examine ourselves and be willing to look at our own sins in our life and ask the Lord to open our eyes and make us more aware each time we sin. That's right. That's right. And it's, but, but it's not just the pragmatic message or the pragmatic ministry. It's also the pragmatic worship because everything inside, especially myself as a musician, Chris, you too, as a musician, everything tells us as musicians, as being creative, that we should be able to worship God however we see fit, right? But no, God has a specific way that he has laid out that he is to be worshiped. Why does he get to do that? Because he is God and he is holy. Just as Dr. Steve Lawson says, you don't have the right to reinvent preaching. You don't have the right to reinvent worship either. Well, the problem is one one of the problems when it comes to that. And, and let, well, let me let me complete a thought real quick, and then and then you done opened up a can, bro. Um, so uh, yeah, yes. So um, when it comes to the reason I read Second Timothy four um, is because look, 
to all the believers out there who are listening to this, you are commanded. You are commanded. It is an imperative to be a theologian. Here's the problem. We as believers, for the most part, are we don't take our own relationship with the Lord serious enough. We don't spend a lot of time unpacking scripture for ourselves. Um, you know, when, when, when you when, right when you study um, Ephesians five, when it talks about husbands and wives, right? How often have you have you heard maybe women say, "Well, I can't submit to my husband because he's being disobedient." Well, your call and responsibility as a wife is is not to be obedient if your husband is obedient. Your your call and responsibility as a wife is to be obedient because Christ commands you to be obedient. Okay, if you're in a church where your pastors and elders or, or you don't have elders or just a pastor or whatever, if they're not being obedient, that does not absolve you um, to not do what you are supposed to do in, 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 in consuming God's word. Why? To Rich's point earlier, just a few minutes ago, for the sake of holiness, so that the, the, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to sanctify so we have responsibilities as Christians. Look, being a theologian is not just as, 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 as Dr. Vodi Bakken would say, isn't just for the Navy SEALs of Christianity. It is for all of us. That's the problem. We don't know what the Bible says or what the Bible means by what it says. We have a responsibility. You have got to study God's word study God's word, know God's word. You know why? I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Okay. That's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that pragmatism in, in ministry and in churches continues to exist is because we have a flock of immature believers who don't know any better. Instead of being able to stand up and say, no, pastor, with all due respect, I respect the authority that you have, the office that you hold, the position that you have, and I, and I want to maintain my lane, okay? But at the same time, the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. And if a pastor comes back at you and says, nope, sorry, maybe 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 our season of ministry has come to an end. I've had that said to me. I was on staff at a church, and a pastor, pastor said that to me because he didn't want to talk about Reformed theology. So you know what? It's time to go. It's time to go. Don't worry don't worry about what you'll do. I, I, one thing real quick, and then I want to move to the worship thing. When I, I, I look, I'm studying for my message at Cruciform. My message at Cruciform is going to be entitled Christ, uh, Still Standing on Christ's Headship Over His Church. And, and there's one thing in studying, my main passage is going to be Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, but I wanted to get context for that passage. So I've, read the, I've been reading the last half of Hebrews. Check out Hebrews chapter 13. Make sure your way of life, starting in verse five, sorry. Make sure your way of life is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Verse six, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? If you stand firm on truth, believer, and you confront your pastor with something he said from the pulpit or didn't say from the pulpit, and he comes back at you and says, maybe, maybe this isn't, okay, bye. 
Bye, Felicia. Bye. Look, you you don't leave it. Look, there there are biblical ways and reasons to leave a church. I'm not saying just just up and leave and and don't do it biblically and and say, hey, you know, I'm out, um, you know, peace out, A-Town, you know, peace up, A-Town, whatever. Don't do that. Don't do it in a non-biblical way. And likewise, churches don't do it in a non-biblical way either by just saying, oh, uh, you're just gone. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is trust that the Lord is your helper and, and you, you, you sh- don't, do not be afraid. What will man do to me? Okay. Because listen, if you're in a church where a pastor or a group of elders will not hear you out, if you go to them biblically in love with the truth, properly exegeted, um, that, then look, maybe that's not the church for you. Okay. And now, that just demonstrates a pride issue on, on leadership correct. anyway. Correct. That, correct. That, that, that's an ego problem. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. And, 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 and then that becomes an above reproach uh, yep. problem, you know? Right. So right. now moving on to worship, let me just say this. Obviously the pragmatism and, and, and uh, Drew, to your point, musicians, right? When you look at worldly musicians, worldly musicians are all about doing what's popular, right? Finding the next mm-hmm. big sound, finding the right hook, finding the, mm-hmm. finding the right lyrics to go together so it all makes right. sense. The, 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 the right theme, right, that's gonna, right, right. The, the oceans or the desert or the mountain. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, that, that, that's not at all what Scripture calls us to do. Um, and, and, and listen, the, the problem here, the problem here is that we have too many immature, unqualified people leading music and worship yeah. in churches. That's right. Um, and 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 pastors, before you appoint someone to be a worship leader uh, in your church, you might want to re- want to review the Old Testament and the fact that the Levites, those who were in charge of leading music, um, they had to, they had to meet more qualifications than the priests did. So um, I'll just start there, and then I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked enough well, about I'll that add, on this I'll, podcast. Well, I'll, I'll add this, and I know we're getting long on time, but I'll, I'll add this at the, I guess, kind of in closing. Um, I'm currently teaching an evangelism course at a local church, and the Lord's really blessed me in many ways in doing this because you guys know that I'm, I'm disabled and, mm-hmm. and getting out and, and traveling is very difficult for me. Well, the Lord first blessed me the opportunity to do this. And then just because he could, he blessed me with a church that's less than a mile from my home. And then he blessed me with a pastor that has a heart and a desire for evangelism. And the same pastor is preaching and teaching biblically. And I was asked to teach this evangelism course. And I entitled the course Faith Over Fear in Evangelism. But that also applies to everything we're talking about tonight as a pastor, as a worship leader, as on a staff member of a church or whatever, we have to rely on faith. We have to rely on what you read from Hebrews. We have to rely on Christ. The mm. results are in his hand. The growth is in his hand. We may cast a seed, whether it be a sermon or a message at a conference or in my situation, teaching this class. We have to honor the word of God in what we say and present and study and be prepared. But anything beyond that is completely and totally in the control of Jesus Christ. Amen. He will put that seed where he wants it. He will cause growth where he wants it. And if it means that person does not hear or listen, it's because, just like with Paul with Lydia, the Lord mm. opened her heart to allow her to understand. Come on. We can talk, and I, I've said this before, that I can explain the Bible to you 
until I'm blue in the face. Sure. But only Christ can allow you to understand it. And as leaders, teachers, preachers, we have to be praying for those that we're teaching to, that we're preaching to, and asking the Lord to allow them to understand. Because worldly arguments will never regenerate a dead heart. Only Christ can bring life to a dead stone heart. And it's by Christ, through Christ, for Christ, in Christ alone, in all that we do, that he be glorified and that not us be glorified, that he be remembered, but we need to be forgotten. Amen. Amen. Rich, worldly arguments will never regenerate a dead heart. Man. He's putting that on Twitter right now. I'm writing it down so I can put it on Twitter in a minute. <laughs> There's a reason I keep saying Rich is the heart of this pro of, of Voice Reason Radio, guys. This, wow, you know, brother. Th- this, you know, Rich, brother, you have you have a way with words that I don't think anybody realizes. And that that's exactly mm. it. You know, we you are right on the money. It is Christ, it is his word, it is his power. Yeah. Without that, we are nothing. You, you know, every right. every gathering that calls itself a church, if Christ is not exalted, it's not a church. You can call, you can right. slap the mm. name on there, but you're just pretending. And that is what pragmatism has done: is it, it has created buildings, it has filled it with people, it is claimed to be preaching, but what it has done is is it has pumped out self help, feel good messages. And made people feel like, hey, I'm not so bad, and God loves me just as I am, which is what mm-hmm. the world wants to hear. It, you know, and Rich's point is absolutely 100% on point. It is that a, a room full of dead hearts being preached to with worldly ideologies that simply keep them dead. It yeah. just re, yeah. it just, mm-hmm. it's basically like taking a dead body. And putting it out in the hot sun and just letting it become more dead. It just bakes it down to nothing. And if you take worldly ideologies and you preach them as though they, you are preaching the word of God to dead hearts, you are just solidifying them in their deadness. Can God take a, you know, as James White, James White says, draw a straight line with a crooked stick? Yeah, a, a, pa- a so-called pastor may accidentally glance off of something that sounds gospel-like and God uses that to save somebody, yeah, that happens. But that is not because of the pastor. It wasn't because of the ideology. It wasn't because of his methodology or pragmatism. It is because God in his mercy saved a dead heart. And that is absolutely rich. Rich, you're dead on, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man, Rich, that 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 immediately took my my mind to First Corinthians chapter two, um, and it says, "When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with superiority of word or of wisdom, proclaiming uh, to you the witness of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling." And my word and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power so that your faith, capital spirit, by the way, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. And that you can do everything right, right? You can, you can not be pragmatic. You can, you, you can, you can seek to do things biblically, but unless the Lord goes before you, 
unless the spirit quickens that dead heart, unless the Lord opens the eyes of the saint that has been walking in, in worldly wisdom, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's all in vain unless, unless the Lord works and goes before you brother. Great reminder. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Pastors, um, what is your objective? What is your goal? Um, you know, it was said at the beginning of the show, many come into the, the, the pastorate as a career, not yeah. as a calling. Well, if you're going to be a pastor because of the work of pastor, it's not just preaching, despite what Acts 29 tries to teach its pastors. It's not just right. Your job is not just to preach and focus on preaching. Your job is the care of souls. Amen. So what is your objective? What's your goal? First, to preach the gospel. And then once you have preached the gospel, you continue preaching the gospel. And then you disciple those whom you have preached the gospel to. That's your job. Your job is to care for those whom God has placed under your leadership. Don't deviate from the job description. It's clearly laid out in scripture, right? Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't try to come up with your own desires and, and own criteria for fulfilling the role. Because anything you come up with is going to be against what God has, has already said. Amen. Stick with what God has said. Now, believer in the congregation, what is your duty? Yeah. Your duty is to submit to the word of God. Your duty is to repent and obey. Your duty is to, is to take what you are learning in the sermon, in the gospel proclamation, in the teaching of scripture, and now you are to actually apply it to your life in your home, through your family, grow in whole personal holiness, grow your family in holiness. This mm -hmm. is your duty mm -hmm. as a believer. Don't say, oh, well, you know, my son is, well, he, he just stays down in his room all day and uh, I pray for him. I pray for him. No, take his Xbox away, bring him upstairs, sit him down and give him the gospel Amen. because you love him and you don't want him to go to hell. Amen. Right. Don't, don't try to reinvent what God has told you to do as a parent. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wives. Uh, and this may ruffle some of the, some of the feminist feathers. Okay. Uh -oh. <laughs> There's a reason that the church is called the bride of Christ, Right. Because we have specific submissive duties we are to perform to our bridegroom, okay? Women, it is glorifying to God when you fulfill the biblical womanly role, okay? Don't step outside of your role. Now, I understand some are like, well, what about single moms and all this? I understand there, there, there are certain uh, situations and stuff that... that it makes it hard for some things. Okay. But a lot of times what we see is women want to step out of their biblical, uh, out of the biblical role and they want to be the head of the household rather than the man being the head of the household and men be the head of your household. There's too many cowardly men parading around as though they're Christians and they don't know the Bible and they're calling themselves the head of the household. They're not. They're not leading their family. They're not spending time with their children. They're not teaching their children scripture. 
They're not doing any of these things. They think just because they're the man, they're number one in the house. No, you're wrong. You're a coward. Pick up the Bible. Teach it. Okay? Amen. If you have no desire to teach your family the Bible, you, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to say you probably have no desire to actually love Christ. Because if you love Christ, you will fulfill your role as a husband. Children. I don't, I, I don't know if y'all have kids that listen to y'all's uh, podcast or not. I don't know. We're just throwing it out there. Children. Okay. Honor your mother and father. Okay. I understand we live in this time where it's like, you know, every, every teenager is sassy and, you know, we, we just don't have to listen to our parents because they're, you know, they just, they don't know what we know. And I understand you may be like the smartest 15 year old in the world or the smartest 18 year old in the world or the smartest 20 something year old in the world. It doesn't matter. Honor your mother and father. I'll tell you, I was in, in my thirties. Okay. And stuff was going on with my parents. And guess what? I slandered my parents and I didn't honor my mother and father. Mm. And I had to repent of that. That's in my thirties. Okay. It's still sin. Yeah. So just because I'm not a child living under their, uh, under their house doesn't mean that, that, that I still don't honor my mother and father. Okay. So, we all have a biblical role to play, whether you're the pastor, whether you're in the congregation. We all have a biblical role that we don't need to neglect, that we don't need to deviate from, that we don't need to devise our own plan in order to accomplish these things. Because when we do them the way God has said to do them, we honor God. Amen. And that is the most important thing, that we live for and honor God and his son, the Christ, whom came to die for our sins. Yeah. You, you, you want to put to death pragmatism in your life, in your ministry, honor and obey God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. You want to put to death pragmatism in your life, in your ministry, you honor and obey God by being obedient to the inerrant, infallible, and completely sufficient word of the lord amen honolds you got any closing thoughts bro yeah i just want to put this out there for all of those who just listened to drew's wonderful points and the immediate response is oh but what about stop (laughs) please stop stop doing that quit taking every extreme set of circumstances and propounding Mm -hmm. that out as if it's Mm -hmm the norm and they're therefore submitting to God, submitting to your elders, submitting to your your husband or children, submitting to your parents is somehow, oh, well, that's that's setting up abuse. I'm just, because I've been seeing it and I, I just yeah, want to say, yeah. knock it off, please. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's just, let's, let's lay this out. God's word is perfect, righteous, holy. It is an extension of who he is. It is, it is his revelation, okay? Yeah. So when we do things his way, we're doing them the right way because we're doing it God's way. Amen. That doesn't mean that you, me, you know, or anybody else is going to get it right 100% of the time. In fact, some That's of us, right. some of us are going to get so messed up in our own pride and our own thinking. We're you know, as to what you said a minute ago, Drew. You're you're not a leader in the house just because you're you're the the guy. Right. Yeah. You're a leader in the house when you're doing things God's way. Is that your role? Is that your duty? Yes. But that doesn't mean you you do it your own way. You don't lord your authority over it. You serve right. your family. So if we 
do things God's way, and we you know we say this is how God has structured the family, this is how God has structured the church, and this is how submission works. Guess what? You're going to have people who do it wrong. You're going to have people who sin. Does that then mean that the way it's listed in the Word of God and commanded by God is wrong? Absolutely not. Ooh. What it means is that's why we need Jesus Christ. Because you're going to have people who sin. And if you got people who are abusing what God in his word has said, you don't attack the theology. You preach the gospel to the person <laughs> who is sinning. And right. pastor, mm. if you're lording your authority over the church like a tyrant, guess what? You need to repent. Father, if you're lording your authority over your children or you're you know, uh, uh, abusing your wife, repent. It is That is still doing God's things God's way. So that is why it is so absolutely important that churches are equipping their people to understand, study, and apply the Word of God rightly and equipping them rather than doing messages that make them feel good. And maybe if we, as, as one gal tried to suggest to me, oh, well, that system is, it's, it's more set up for abuse. No, you teach them, this is how you do it rightly, and if you do it wrongly, you're sinning. Yeah. You know, you equip them and stop preaching to them feel-good messages that keep them in their sins. Mm -hmm. Fulfill yeah. your duty as a Christian. Die to yourself, follow Christ, obey his commandments, make disciples, teach them to do likewise. Yeah. And if Remember. we do that, that we avoid pragmatism and we equip the body of Christ to be a light in a, in a dark and stormy world. That's right. And, and, and husbands, too. Um don't just right. Don't when I say lead, right? In in you know teaching them scripture. I don't mean just open a Bible and preach at them or mm -hmm. and teach yeah. them scripture. I also mean kind of the the practical as well, right? Ministering yeah. to them in like simple things like do the dishes. Right. right. You're right. not above doing the dishes. No. <laughs> right. No. I, I but before we even started recording. I, I text my wife and I said, I'll do the dishes when we get done. Right. When she, we have a one-year-old, right. And he leaves the house a wreck. Okay. All his toys are in the living room. Okay. Let me but give you a clue. They, they don't get better at teenagers. <laughs> I believe it. But when they go to sleep and I'm done doing all the, whatever it is I'm doing, I go into the living room and I put away his toys because he's one. He doesn't know how to do that. So I put away his toys and I try to straighten up a little bit. Why? So that way it's so much more easier on my wife. Um, that way she's not always stressful thinking, oh, I've always got to clean the house. And then she freaks out. No, let me try to make things easier Amen. for her. You know, and and okay. also, I just want to say, because earlier it sounded like I was railing against small groups. I think small groups are a great tool as long as they're done right. Uh, but also, I want to say churches, maybe, uh, maybe kind of put on hold the small groups and do a corporate prayer meeting on Sunday yeah. nights. Bring back the corporate prayer meeting so that you can gather with your congregation in kind of that intimate setting and intercede on behalf of others and, and, and petition and, and, you know, call out to God and, and petition God for, you know, whatever it may be to, to, to heal someone in a hospital or to end abortion or, you know, whatever's going on, bring back corporate prayer meetings. Amen. And, and just to your point about, you know, fathers in the home, I mean, you lead by example, you lead mm -hmm. by being a servant, 
but you lead by also being a teacher and not just sitting down doing the Bible studies, though that is an absolute necessity, but also making teaching your children to think things through biblically. Mm-hmm. You know, our our kids, no matter where they are, they're being hounded today by things like social justice we were talking yeah. about. How do you help them navigate that? You take them, take them through the Word of God, but you also ask, teach them how to ask questions and how to think critically and how yeah. to apply these things. And then you do that in your own life as an example. You, you don't see and teach and do all these things and then turn around and do the exact opposite because you're a hypocrite. You lose all credibility. And when you sin, you repent before your children. You let them see what a man of God looks like who who recognizes his sin and repents. If you and your wife have a, a disagreement and it you know, in front of the kids, you confess we shouldn't have done that in front of you guys. We should we, we should have handled that in a biblical way. You you demonstrate godly repentance model it. And, and model yep. it. So I mean it, it's to to your point, uh, you know, Drew. Every layer of this that you went through, every duty, it is not just preaching these things it's living these things and showing the world that we believe that god has a say in how we how we think act and live and if we don't do those things on top of teaching those things then we have no credibility and we're just hypocrites which we are to some extent we are going to be hypocritical right. somewhere Every, everyone sure, is sure, sure, sure. but yeah, we sure. the pattern of our lives should be ones of you know of repentance so that the world sees us doing that so I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you, and I'm glad you brought those things up because I think it's easy for us, especially I mean, my kids are teenagers, and I've tried throughout my life to, to model behavior, and I've tried to teach them certain things and, and to get into these conversations, and we've been having some great conversations lately, but I also know they've seen me at my absolute worst, and I have to constantly be in that position of yeah, you know, uh, modeling yeah. repentance and, yeah. and modeling yeah. you know, godly behavior. We have to do that. Yeah. Amen, brothers. Amen. Well, fellas, um, very, 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 very grateful for you. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to round two. Amen. Uh, of, uh, of the MOT VOR team up. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just want to tell you from, from me to you guys, um, I have been blessed by listening to your program. I listened to, you know, after I met you guys and started listening to your program, every time I've listened, I have been blessed by it. I have made every effort I could to share what you guys have been putting out because I think what you're doing, equipping people to think theologically is absolutely mm-hmm. needed. And I just want to say from Rich and I how grateful we are for what you guys are doing and what a blessing you've been in, uh, to us. And we're grateful to, to be part of this program. Uh, this week and and you know and and in like manner <laughs> you guys are part of ours as we share the same <laughs> episode um yeah. but thank you for being that 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 voice out there to encourage people to christians to care about theology and to apply it rightly in their lives you know keep doing what you're doing guys because it's great Appreciate thank, you, it, thank you for that feedback man thank you for that feedback absolutely um, uh, and it, it is reciprocated um, to all of uh, the Matter of Theology listeners. If you have not ever listened to Voice of Reason Radio, you have got uh, to go, go go search for them, subscribe to their podcast. Um, and they, 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 man, they go in, they prepare, they're, they're uh, thorough, biblical, solid. Um, and, and let me tell you, you will be blessed 
Um, you'll be blessed. Uh, at times you'll be rebuked. Uh, you will say amen and ouch at the same time. Um, so, so, so listen to those guys, follow those guys on the socials. Um, and, uh, yeah, brothers, we, we, we are grateful, um, grateful for the team up. And, um, so we're going to get out of here and, um, we will catch you guys on the flip side.